Well, I'll be uh, speaking about that passage uh, that uh, Isabel's just uh, read for us, and so uh, we'll follow it uh, on the screen. Uh, but first, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, open our ears so that we may hear. Open our hearts so that what we hear may change us. Amen. Well, uh, this part of the Bible that we just heard read to us, uh, as we said, is from the book of Matthew, and as was mentioned, from chapter 9. So we're following through in a series here, and last week uh, Paul spoke on the previous chapter, chapter 8 from the book of Matthew. And uh, Paul ended by asking this question. In 2023, how will you respond to the Lord Jesus? And so that's where I'll take up the story today with that same question. In 2023, how will you respond to the Lord Jesus? Well, uh, here as we take up the story, Jesus is coming back from overseas. He's returning to his own town and here he meets uh, various people. And so I put the question, how will you respond to Jesus? Perhaps like uh, this first person, the paralyzed man. You see, some friends brought the paralyzed man uh, to Jesus. Jesus said, cheer up, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And then later, get up your stretcher and go home. And the man got up and went home. Well, perhaps you like this paralyzed man. Uh, perhaps you did not come here today under your own steam, so to speak. Uh, perhaps some friends brought you here, or uh, perhaps your family, perhaps your partner, or your parents, or your children. Uh, perhaps you were dragged here, so to speak, on a stretcher. Uh, you didn't really want to come, but you didn't have a lot of choice in the matter, like the paralyzed man, perhaps. And then the strangest thing happens. You see there what Jesus says. The strangest thing happens. The voice of Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Well, if you've come here, brought along, you might not be expected to hear this sort of statement, your sins are forgiven. Perhaps you didn't even realize you had a problem with sin, a problem, problem between you and God. But as you think about it, you become convinced that the basic thing unresolved in your life is that you have wronged God, that Jesus can resolve that and free you of the consequences. Perhaps you've been more concerned with your own internal problems, paralyzed by something perhaps, uh, by fears, by anxiety, maybe low self-esteem, failure to uh, make ends meet, past failures. Perhaps these internal problems have been what's been absorbing you, but Jesus doesn't say that at all to the paralyzed man, doesn't address the, uh, the concern of the paralysis. But Jesus says this, your sins are forgiven. The core issue is not within ourselves. The core issue is in our relationship with God. And once that core issue is resolved, everything else is put in a different perspective. The paralyzed man was brought to Jesus. If we move on, we'll see he left a changed person forgiven. And perhaps that's how you'll respond to Jesus today perhaps like the paralyzed man. Well, uh, if we go on, uh, we see another um, person or another group of people, the so-called teachers of the law, uh, or they're also called scribes. Now, I was just thinking, imagine somebody walked in now and they were wearing a blue uniform 
and they had a, a walkie-talkie here, and they had a holster and uh, some handcuffs, and they had black shoes, uh, they had a cap with a badge on it, and they said, uh, Roger, I'd like you to accompany me down to the police station. Uh, I have a few questions to ask. Um, well, I'd probably go. But um, if I were a teacher of the law, or the scribe in me might say, hang on, I haven't done anything wrong. Why would the police want to question me? I reckon this must be a setup. I don't believe you're a police officer at all. In fact, I think you're impersonating a police officer, and impersonating a police officer is a very serious offence. And then uh, this lady in blue might say, we'd just take a step outside, and we go outside, and there's, uh, there's some backup. Uh, there's a police car. There's the police rescue van. Uh, Pol Air is circling overhead. Uh, the commissioner of police arrives in another car with the press. Uh, I could still try to insist that the person I met was impersonating a police officer, but the evidence is pretty strong that she really is a police officer. And I think at that point I would proceed to the station. Well, this is how the scribes responded to Jesus. They knew that when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, Jesus was acting as if he was God. But they thought, Jesus can't be God. He must just be pretending to be God. He must be impersonating God. Pretending he's God and impersonating God is a very serious offence. It's blasphemy, which is what they thought to themselves. This fellow is committing blasphemy. And so Jesus said to them, in effect, in effect, you think I'm impersonating God. Well, I'll show you because I'm forgiving sins. Well, I'll, I'll show you something that only God can do. I'll cure this man. And he did it then and there. He, he produced this extra evidence, but still the scribes were not convinced. Well, perhaps you're like the scribes today. Perhaps you're cautious when it comes to things of God, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, perhaps you even carefully study the scripture like the scribes, the teachers of the law did. That, that's a good thing to do. They deduced correctly that when God was forgiving sins, God was uh, when Jesus uh, was forgiving sin, Jesus was claiming to be equal to God. So they put that together correctly. There was a lot that the teachers of the law were doing right, but that is where then they hit the hit the wall. They could not accept that Jesus could possibly be God, in spite of Jesus showing his godlike healing power. Well, perhaps today you're like the scribes, in spite of the evidence you find it difficult to accept that Jesus really is God. Well, we come to another group. How will you respond to Jesus today? Perhaps like the crowd. The crowd was there. They saw this episode between uh, the man and Jesus and the teachers of the law. And we've just heard the story read to us. We've heard it recounted. So in a sense, we've also witnessed this uh, event, this episode. What do we make of it? What do we uh, say went on there? Well, the people of the crowd, and they, in this is in verse 8, they um, were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. So you see it there. The crowd saw this. They were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to Jesus. Now, you might have been here last year when we were uh, even further back in the book of Matthew in chapters uh, 5, 6, and 7, which is a report of Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. And you may remember, if you were here, that at the end of that teaching, three chapters of teaching of Jesus, the crowd had a very similar reaction to the crowd here. It said then, this is back in Matthew chapter 7, 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one with authority. And I mentioned then that authority is something of a theme that runs through the book of Matthew. In chapters 5, 6 and 7, Jesus teaches with authority. Then in chapter 8, uh, Jesus shows he has authority over nature by calming a storm. And here in chapter 9, Jesus shows he has authority to forgive sins and demonstrates it by healing the man. In the last chapter of this book of Matthew, Jesus shows he has authority over death by rising from the dead. And some of the last words of the book are Jesus saying, all authority has been given to me. So perhaps you're like the people in the crowd. You're amazed. You're praising God. You realize that Jesus has a God-given authority. And a Christian is simply someone who accepts Jesus' authority over his or her life. And uh, the next person we come to is someone who did just that. The next person we come to is Matthew. Uh, perhaps you'll respond to Jesus today like Matthew did. Well, Matthew was sitting, as you see there, at the toll collector's booth. He was just at his workplace, uh, minding his own business, we might say. And his business was to collect tax or, or toll um, from the people and to hand them over uh, to actually to the foreign power who were occupying the land at that time and probably uh, take a cut for himself on the side. Well, perhaps you're, about, you're like Matthew, you're just going about your work. Uh, maybe not everything in your work is 100% uh, you know, right or you're not perhaps doing exactly what you'd like to be doing, but maybe it bothers you, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you rationalize, oh, other people are doing this, you know, taking a bit of extra sick leave or uh, a hand in the till or something. Maybe what you're doing is not even illegal. Maybe, like for Matthew, it's even endorsed by the government of the day. But you know, sort of deep down, that you're not really meant to be doing things, uh, these things in this way. And then you hear the voice of Jesus, as Matthew heard. Two words, you see there, two words from Jesus changed his life. Jesus says, follow me. And that was it. Matthew left behind what he was doing and became a follower of Jesus. Well, I might say in biblical terminology, I think the first part of this is leaving behind is what we call repentance. Putting aside, putting behind the things that aren't of God. And the second part, following or trusting in Jesus, that's belief. And this is, these are the two parts of what Matthew did just in this simple action. Well, it's easy to become a follower of Jesus. It can happen in an instant, as we see with Matthew. You leave the bad stuff behind you and you trust in Jesus. So perhaps that's how you'll respond to Jesus today, like Matthew did. Now, I was thinking, we see here just what happened at the physical level. What if we could look at this incident through a spiritual lens? Imagine we have a camera and, you know, we can put in portrait mode and, uh, you know, sepia, uh, but we can flip in a spiritual filter and we can see what's happening from the spiritual dimension. Well, I don't think such a filter is available, even on the iPhone Max Pro Plus Plus Extreme Special Edition Plus Enhanced. Uh, but imagine we have this filter and we can see this situation from a spiritual perspective. From a physical perspective, Matthew's sitting there in the tax office just doing his normal day-to-day -day activity. But from a spiritual point of view, the view's quite different. We see that Matthew is actually spiritually dead dead in his transgressions and sins. Matthew is spiritually a dead corpse propped up in his office there in the physical body. But because of his great love for us, God 
who is rich in mercy, made Matthew alive with Christ. God raised Matthew up with Christ. And when Matthew physically got up, spiritually he was being resurrected from the dead to a new life in the spirit as a follower of Jesus. And immediately he did the spiritual work of an evangelist, inviting his friends to come and meet Jesus for themselves. So perhaps today uh, you're like Matthew. Well, perhaps you're responding to Jesus like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, as we go on, see uh, they were also there interacting with Jesus. The Pharisees are people who tried to keep themselves pure for God. And that, don't get me wrong, that's not a bad thing. It's good to, to keep yourself pure for God. The, the word Pharisee, in fact, comes from a word meaning separate. And the Pharisees wanted to separate themselves from anything that might contaminate them from ungodly things. They wanted to be holy. So the Pharisees couldn't understand. You see, they asked the question, why does your teacher, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and, and sinners? Why does he mix himself up with these unclean, ceremonially unclean people? Well, perhaps that's the question you're asking. Perhaps you are like the Pharisees. And I have to say, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a Pharisee. I can put time aside to, to purify myself, to be alone with God, to read the Bible, to pray, to, to get away from the things of the world which might distract or, or tempt me, to, to be holy and separate. So I wonder if you can relate to this. Maybe your own quest for holiness, your personal walk with God absorbs you to the extent that you're neglectful of the needs of others. Well, if so... The word from Jesus today, if we look in the next verse, is others, not just sacrifice, putting, putting your own house in order. Jesus' word to the Pharisees and to all the Pharisees here today is that personal piety must be accompanied by a kind heart and concern for others. Keeping the great commandment to love God, that does not mean then we neglect the parallel commandment to love our neighbour. Sacrifice to God must be matched by mercy to one's neighbour. Well, um, as I say, this is part of a series. And if you were here last week, you, uh, you would have heard who their response was scandal. Paul talked about Jesus' power and how that scared some people who their response was to send Jesus away. But that same power protected the disciples and their response was to trust in Jesus. So how will you respond to Jesus in 2023? like those people who sent Jesus packing because he was too hot to handle, or like the disciples who trusted Jesus? How will you respond? Perhaps like the paralyzed man who was forgiven? Perhaps like the teachers of the law who were skeptical? Or perhaps like crowd who were amazed? Perhaps like Matthew who followed? Or perhaps like the Pharisees who are unneighborly? So that's the question. How will you respond? to Jesus today. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for forgiveness of sins that is available through Jesus. Help us to see Jesus as he really is, true God from true God. May we be in awe and praise and praise you for the authority you've given to Jesus. Help us to hear Jesus call on us and to follow him. Help us to show mercy and care to others. Amen.